Hi there, I'm Ben Pierce, and welcome to the Elevated You podcast, the podcast all about helping you in the tech world develop your professional skills. Each episode, we share the top tips, failures, and lived experiences of people thriving in the same world as you. I'm so glad you're here. So let's get going. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Elevated You podcast. It's a real pleasure for me today because our guest is a genuine world-class leader. For anyone who's ever worked with the Microsoft tech stack or done any Microsoft certifications, you'll have come across PowerShell. And this guest is known as the inventor of PowerShell. And more recently, he's moved to Google as a distinguished engineer in their site reliability engineering team. So please welcome to the show, Mr. Jeffrey Snover. Wow, Ben, I don't know what to do with that introduction. <laughs> I'm intimidated. <laughs> You're intimidated. <laughs> you set the bar pretty high there. I've got to, I've got to, I've got to try. I've got to try. Okay. Jeffrey, it's, it's brilliant. Jeffrey, don't screw up. Don't screw up. Don't screw up. Okay, let's go. Let's go. It's going to be good. <laughs> you know, it is so brilliant to, to have you with us. Um, and I wonder to those that haven't come from the PowerShell world, there are some mm. people. Um, could you share your background with us and, and what you're doing now? Yeah. So let's see. Been in this industry four plus decades. So one of the old guys. Uh, start off and, you know, well, I guess I'd say uh, Digital Equipment Corporation, where it turns out a lot of the senior Microsoft people all came from. Fun fact, Microsoft's only had three uh, chief architects for Windows Server. All three of us were consulting engineers from DAC, right? So Dave Cutler, Bill Lang, and myself. So happy day. So I was at Digital. I was a consulting engineer. Uh, then I went to Tivoli, which is IBM, did system management. And then that's where I got on Microsoft's radar screen, right? So... Call came for Bill, da, 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 I want to talk. And uh, I became the architect for the management technologies. And so I was there for 23 years. Um, uh, I was famously demoted for <laughs> inventing PowerShell. Uh, <laughs> took me five years to get my stripes back. Um, and then from there, I got to become a distinguished engineer and then uh, chief architect for Windows Server and System Center, and then a technical fellow where I worked on Windows Server and Azure Stack and Azure Storage and Azure Edge. And then I moved to uh, Office for the last three years before finally moving to Google. And at Google, I'm a, a, an SRE, Distinguished Engineer on SRE, where I focus in on a couple things, sort of risk management, sort of generally sort of like what's the next page, next chapter for SRE? You know, kind of a shift from incident management to more risk management um, and things like that. Okay. Okay. So fascinating. There's two things that just popped up just in your intro there that I just like went, Arr! first thing, you got a phone call from Bill that you just skipped over there. Now I'm imagining you're talking Bill Gates, that that's the sort of level yeah, we're actually, talking about. <laughs> Bill, Bill didn't call me, but basically what had happened was they did a review with Bill and they just got beat up. Everybody gets beat up. And at some point Bill's like, I think we need some help here. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that's when they started an industry, what's called an industry search, and they try and find you know sort of the best people in the industry. And I don't know how I got on that list, but I yeah. was on that list, and I got invited it in and uh, talked to all the senior execs. It was a blast. And so that's firstly that's an interesting story. Second thing, you also skipped over. You got demoted for inventing PowerShell, <laughs> which which has become like the de facto command line interface and scripting language for Azure 
plus many, many other products. There's, you got demoted for inventing that? Well, it's a little bit complicated, but effectively, <laughs> yes. So what happened was I got hired as a senior guy, you know, run all the, the management technologies and, you know, architect, that is, say, for all the management technologies and products. And, uh, and, and at the time, right, Windows, right, GUI company. And I looked at this and I said, hey, the future, we need a command line interface. And, and w- command line interface at a GUI company, right? So I was not treated <laughs> as a liberator. I was like, no, 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 this is really important. And they're like, no, it isn't. It's like, no, it really is. Because in their mind, like, hey, what are you talking about? You know, uh, uh, GUI on a server, a uh, small business server, wildly successful. And I was like, well, yes, that's true. But when you have a couple of them, it, the GUI falls apart. And the future of data centers is you're going to have thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of these things. You need a command line interface. They disagreed. Anyway, so I, <laughs> I, I, I invented this thing called PowerShell. I said, I'm going to go work on this. And they're like, well, look, you're wrong. It's a, it doesn't matter. I don't know why you're wor- wasting your time on this, but if you're going to do that, we can't. Uh, we hired you to be the in charge of this big, awesome thing, and now you're going to go work with these five people on this thing. So yeah, I got demoted. <laughs> so so yeah, that is pretty. But do you know what? It's such an interesting lesson, isn't it? Really, you know, j- just as I reflect on that, and yet you had a bit of vision there on for something that you thought was really going to be important, and you took a bit of a hit for however long that was. But it, pay, it paid it. off for you. <laughs> yeah, it did. It did. Well, you know, I knew. I mean, I just knew. I looked at the concepts. It's like, oh, there's, there's gold here. Yeah. I mean, this is just genuinely gold. I mean, and for people who aren't used to PowerShell, basically it was this, you know, kind of key insight into saying, hey, let's replace pipelines of text where you have pipelines of text and you have all this prayer-based parsing, right? Go over 27, or is it 26, or is it 28 columns? Uh, oh, there's a tab in there. What the hell do you do with the tab? And then grab this field, and then is that an integer? Or is that a, a, a sometimes it's in a, 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 anyway. So it's all this prayer-based parsing to do automation. I said, no, nah, crap, forget that. Let's just have pipelines of objects and then deal directly with the object. And by the way, that's how I first met Ben. Ben and I did this talk and, and at the point we're t- talking objects to admins and their heads exploded. <laughs> and so Ben produced this gorgeous talk about how, hey, let's talk about a bicycle in terms of an object. And he just laid it all out and people were like, oh, that's simpler. Thank you. <laughs> oh, like, well, we're going to loop on that, uh, loop back on. Yeah, because that was the noughties. So we'll, we'll, we'll loop back around on that later, I think. Um, but, you know, what, what's clear for me, just as we're talking there, that you, you know, you've led a lot of change. But I think mm. I'm accurate when I say you've never been a people manager in your career. Is that right? Well, I've never been a good people manager. That's <laughs> right. accurate. <laughs> but no, I was I was a, a development manager at uh, at DAC, and then I was a development uh, director at at IBM. Okay. Uh, and the reality is, you know, I like to say that I, my career has two halves. Okay. Uh, the first half was when I when I thought it was all about technology. Okay. And and if you go back and take a look at my my performance reviews and did a word cloud, the center of that word cloud would be the word steamroller. Okay. <laughs> now we accomplished a whole bunch of stuff, but there was a lot of collateral damage. And so when I was a manager, I was not focused in on people. By the way, so then the second half of my career yeah. was all focused in around people. Like when I said, Oh, this is all about people, getting people to work together, etc. And by the way, if you did a word cloud at that's in the second half of my career, 
I think at the very center would be the word collaborator. Okay. Anyway, so, you know, I was a people manager, but, you know, my heart wasn't in it because I was focused in on the technology. And indeed, we accomplished some things, but there was some damage there uh, and that I regret. And uh, anyway, so, yeah, now I, I affect change. I'm a, a technical leader, yeah. but I don't manage people. Okay. So, so interestingly there, you, you said... Um, Steamroller for the first half of your career, <laughs> collaborator for the second half of the year. Uh, what was the turning point? What's the pivot? Why, why is there these two halves? Yeah. You know, by the way, so this is the, one of the stories of how a great boss being straight and honest with you can transform your career. A lot of times people are like, oh, I don't want to have a hard conversation with somebody, blah, 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 blah. Um, and so they soft pedal it and then those people don't really help. Anyway, so I was working at Tivoli for the CTO and uh, he brought me to the office one day. He said, uh, Jeffrey, I need more output from you. That kind of surprised me. I said, okay. He said, no, I don't think you get it. He says, you're already the smartest, hardest working guy I got. And, and, and if you just go do more, maybe you'll get 15 to 20% more output. And then in six months, you're going to burn out and you'll be useless to everybody. I don't want 15% more. I don't want 20% more. I want 20x more <laughs> output from you. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? He says, you're a smart guy. Go figure it out. And I thought, oh my God, he's trying to fire me. He's setting me up to fire me. What the hell? I thought I was doing well. And uh, it took me a while, but then I thought, 20X, how could I do 20X? And then I realized my job was about amplification. Okay. The only way I could get 20X was by working with others, right, to amplify things. And so that's when I realized, hey, this is all about people. How do I get more out of an organization? There's only so much I can deliver, but my organization can deliver a lot if what, what, what? Oh, that's a good question. So instead of me like sitting there cranking out more and more code, like what are the, how do I get this organization to produce more output? Oh, well, we need things like clarity. <laughs> we, we need some technology, but we need clarity. We need better designs. We need better culture. We need better practices, et cetera. And so, you know, basically that was the, the transformation and then realizing, hey, amplification comes through, you know, aligning people. You know, what are you amplifying? Amplifying other people. And so when your boss came to you and, you, you you know, it sounds like he's going to fire you. It's like he's setting you up. How did uh, how did that feel and how long did it take you to get from that feeling and that to, oh, here's something I can do about it. And this is how I'm going to create clarity and I'm going to do these other bits and pieces. Yeah, well, okay, so here's the thing, right? So I don't have a degree, right? I, I kept uh, kept running out of money and then dropping out, kept running out of money, dropping out, get more money, come back. And so I never got my degree. And so I've always had this like imposter complex and security. By the way, and when I was studying, I wasn't studying computer science. I was studying physics and philosophy, right? So, so uh, you know, I've done all this great stuff, but you know, I, I have this imposter complex. So it sort of felt like, oh, He's caught, they figured it out. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and so I, I remember sitting at my desk like, what the hell? Oh, this is a disaster. I'm good. And then I'm like, wait, wait. 
Tom loves me. I mean, he just <laughs> in the past has said all these wonderful things. And even when he's telling me that, he was telling me all these wonderful things. And then he, then he led it with that. So what the hell, what do I do with that? And so it took me a while. I'd say, I don't know, you know, order magnitude days was okay. not hours. Okay. It was days, yeah. but it wasn't weeks. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then started to think. Right, this is this is something I can do something with now, and I need to I need to figure out a way how to to, to yeah to change and adapt. Yeah, well, you know that's the thing. I like physics. I'm always looking for the f equals m a f equals m a. Yeah. Right, and then from there you can act as a generator function. So it's one thing to say, oh, Jeffrey, uh, you want to have amplification? Okay, then we're going to do this. We're going to have this library that blah 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 blah. Like, okay, that'll get you so far. But when you say, hey, it's about amplification, that acts as a generator function. Okay, what? how do I generate, how do I amplify? Oh, well, f- libraries, frameworks, architecture, that's one thing. But culture, that's another. Clarity, that's another. Like, how do you get, like, hundreds of people to make a set of decisions when you're not in the room and have those decisions uh, uh, tend towards coherence? Well, that's a challenge, my friend. That is a challenge. But it's things like clarity of mission, clarity of principles, clear priorities. And by the way, let me just take a second here. You know, people like to say Jeffrey's the inventor of PowerShell. And to, yes, that's true. But I will tell you this. The thing I am most proud about was not uh, was the fact that I was able to get a bunch of rock star engineers and create a framework where they could be rock stars in a way that their IQs added up. Right. The language. Uh, uh, Jim Truer and Bruce Payette deserve 100 percent of the uh, 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 credit for the language. Right. Uh, But we work together and and it it all works together. (laughs) So anyway, that's the thing I'm proudest about was, you know, I wasn't in all those rooms. I was in a lot of them, but not all of them. But producing this framework whereby people could do awesome things. Right. Uh, Kenneth Hansen has worked on namespace and a whole bunch of other things. Um, Lee Holmes and security. All these people were able to bring in their stuff in a way that was their IQs added up. And by the way, that's that's very difficult to do. Often you get these awesome people, but they don't they don't work well together. Uh, So creating an environment where they they do and the IQs add up is a is a challenge. Brilliant. And it's funny, you're listening there, uh, you're you're listing there, uh, all, all those names. I'm, I'm sure it's in the noughties. I think I had books by all of those people. I think Bruce Pyatt wrote a book. I think Lee Holmes wrote a book. I think I remember all of these books. They're still on my bookshelf probably somewhere. <laughs> well, you know, uh, one of the late to the game was Ken Hansen. And it doesn't get the, and it, it wasn't about PowerShell, but it's about small team leadership. And I strongly encourage, it's on Amazon. I encourage everybody to go buy that book because in that book, it really describes a bunch of the soft core, you know, soft skill, soft core. What <laughs> a weird place there, Jeffrey. Soft skill uh, techniques that we used in developing PowerShell. And, he, and he's got a very nice style, very short chapters. Hey, here's a principle that we had, and here's how it played out. Incredibly valuable book. I think it's uh, Lessons in Small Leadership, Kenneth Hansen. Okay. Brilliant. I'm making a note of that method in small leadership. Now, now, one of the things you... Small team leadership. Sorry, small team leadership. Now, now one of the things you uh, you, you, you uh, skirted past was imposter syndrome. Uh, and, oh, yeah. and that was fascinating. So 
So can you tell me about that? And and I guess, is that still a problem for you now? And how have you managed to overcome? Because you've achieved so many things. So how have you managed to overcome your imposter syndrome? Well, one, it, it, I haven't. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> it, is my, it is my constant companion. Really? Uh, yeah, sure. You know, again, not having the degree. And it turned out at some point I was like, oh, I should overcome this. And then later on I realized, no, actually it's a strength. Okay. Okay. So here's the thing. There are some people, I'm not going to discuss any names, but who don't have imposter syndrome, right? They graduated from top universities. They are big names. And you know what? They're maybe not the nicest people to other people, okay. <laughs> right? And uh, and maybe in a, in a room, they're not as like, they don't necessarily listen as much, okay? Anyway, so because I have imposter syndrome, I feel like I have to earn my seat at the table every day. And so I never take it for granted. I never walk in with a, a big monster. Look, I got an ego, but I but it's pretty well in check as well, right? And I think always thinking to myself, well, my job is to ship the best ideas. I don't necessarily have to have them. Anyway, so uh, I just think that uh, it's it's turned out to be a strength. It's turned out to be a strength. You know, I, I, I suffer from it. Yeah. <laughs> it is painful. Yeah. Uh, but pain's not necessarily a bad thing or necessarily something you should shy away from. It's something you can turn to your advantage. And is, is there any ways that you manage it really effectively? Because I think it's a really common thing, you know, and I speak to a lot of people uh, and they have it. So is there any, have you know, have you come across any tools in your 40 years, I think you said in IT, of, of you know, great tools that you use to manage? 40 plus. <laughs> 40 plus <laughs> that you use to manage it effectively. Um, showing up. Okay. You know, Woody Allen once said, you know, 90% of success is showing up. Yeah. It's really true. Okay. Like, don't let it cripple you. Don't let it cripple you. Like they'd say, soldiers will talk about fear, and they say anybody who doesn't have fear isn't that's that's crazy. You know, there's something wrong with those people. Everybody has fear. It's what do you do about it? And the answer is you acknowledge it and you just move forward. Yeah. Okay. Now I would add the look. There is something to that, right? Yeah. Maybe you are an imposter. So don't get fixated on it. Has to be your way. Focus in on hey. Uh, let's figure out what the right way is, right? That's why I say it. My job is to ship the best ideas, not necessarily to come up with them. Hey, maybe somebody else has a, a better idea. Let's look for the idea. Let's look for the, the thing. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about the idea and the customers. So let's like get out of Who cares about you and your, pers- and your feelings, right? <laughs> like, yeah, it's all very nice. You got this little drama going on in your head, Jeffrey, and you're beating yourself up, blah, blah, blah. How's that help the customer? Well, it doesn't. Okay, well, what would help the customer? Well, these things. And when it turns out when you focus in on those things, yeah. you're being competent. Yeah. That is so fascinating. So fascinating. Now, um, you talked about it already once or twice, but I guess this idea of different ideas of conflict, of of somebody being honest and giving you, um, hmm. giving you some feedback, um, and just when you've got uh, lots of ideas from lots of smart people, some that do have imposter syndrome, some that don't, you know, and you've all got great ideas. I imagine you've been in some situations where there's some reasonable conflict um, that 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 you need to manage. Um, oh, there's always conflict. <laughs> right. Always. Could you always. share your experiences of some of the conflict that you've been through and, and how you approach it? Yeah. So basically conflict happens every single day. 
Every single, well, sorry, sometimes people try and hide the conflict with something called false harmony. That's one of the worst things you can do um, because it doesn't really move the ball forward. You want to lean into conflict. Say, hey, not not being a jerk about conflict, but to say, hey, are we aligned? Because like, what about this? Like, are you still here? Let me stress test it. What about if I said this? Are we still on board? And then you flush out the conflict. And, And so here's the point. You got to want to depersonalize the conflict. Again, it's not about Ben. It's not about Jeffrey. It's about what's the right thing to do. Okay. Now, what I find in conflict is that, uh, you know, I go back to Descartes. I teach people about Descartes all the time. Descartes wrote the Discourse on Method, sort of one of the foundational documents on scientific method. And it's a fascinating document. Basically, it says, you know, I look around the world and all aware, everywhere I see discontent. Tall people that wish they were short, short people that wish they were tall, blah, blah, blah. Everywhere there's discontent except for one area. And that is people's ability to perceive and hold the truth. So if everyone's happy on this one thing, we're really great about that one thing and that one thing only, how is it that there's all this disagreement in the world and this conflict in the world? And he says it comes down to two things. It's actually three, but he said two. Number one is um, differences in data or differences in processing that data. I'll add the third in the corporate context, and that is differences in objective. Okay, so the point is, whenever you have a conflict, it's one of those three things. Differences in objective, differences in data, or differences in method. So number one is you say, oh, when faced with conflict, Respond with curiosity. Oh, that's interesting. You, I'm thinking X and you're thinking Y. I wonder what it, whether it's objectives, data, or methods. So then you show your work. Like, let's do the work. Okay, what is it you're trying to achieve? Is it the same thing I'm trying to achieve? Okay, so we're trying to achieve the same thing. Great. So let me tell you about the data I'm seeing and how I think about it. You show your work. Here's the data I have. Here's how I process it. Here's how I came to my conclusion. And then with that, you can tell me, oh, do you have other data? Is my data wrong? Are there other things we should think about? Or, hey, do you have some perspective on how you process that data that's different than mine? Like, oh, you you, you see that, but you have a piece of context that I don't have, um, et cetera. And boy, does that work out well. Now, turns out there's some language uh, uh, tools here. And I encourage people to like adopt these language tools like a habit. Number one, always use the word hypothesis. Don't, if you say, I think X, well, now all of a sudden you and X are t- tightly linked. And if somebody says I, X is crap, they're sort of saying you're crap. So in your head, you're like, hey, what do you mean? So, so don't say, I think X, right? You say, my hypothesis is X. Now, the word hypothesis, by its definition, invites feedback, invites, hey, let's stress test this thing, right? Because that's what you do with a hypothesis. Like, oh, it could be this. Well, what do I have any data to support that? Uh, let's beat this thing up. Let's offer different perspectives. And so anyway, the use of the word hypothesis invites um, uh, uh, feedback, invites alternate hypothesis. So that's that's that works really well. <laughs> oh, by the way, and the other thing that I found so useful is, by the way, sometimes you'll do this, and and it is not. Let's start, and then at the in 15 minutes from now, we're all going to be on the same page, right? That's not the way it works. 
people have things in their head, they've got emotions, etc. Like if we are pure autonomous, you know, autonomous, you know, rational robots, you might be able to do that, but we're not. So here's the point. No two people arrive at the same place at the same time through the same path. Okay, that is so useful. So what does that mean? The thing I just mentioned is true, but it doesn't mean it's gonna happen in one conversation. <laughs> it might take a couple conversations, but if you keep going back to, hey, here's my hypothesis. What's your hypothesis? What are you seeing? What is it you're trying to achieve? What are you looking at? How do you think about this? Over time, it's one of the most effective ways to deal with conflict. Now, again, by the way, that, that requires a, an interlocutor that will exchange, uh, engage with you. Let's just be honest. Sometimes they're just jerks out there and <laughs> they're either incapable or unwilling to be a, 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 a collaborator. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you just acknowledge that. But I'll tell you, that's that's pretty rare, honestly. Really, that's really interesting. And, and, and I guess... Uh, for that to work really well, if if I've understood what you're saying correctly, there, there needs to be a similar objective that you're heading to, because what you're saying is we're we're headed we're heading in the same direction, and now my hypothesis is this, and therefore my logical argument takes me here, and you course correct and have a conversation. But that is there the assumption, therefore, that you're both he- trying to head in the same direction, and one of you isn't trying to row east while the other person's trying to row west. Exactly. And if you are, then it's like, oh, okay, now I see why they were, were in conflict. Yeah. But wait, here's another t- uh, technique. And I got this one from Sachin Adela. Okay. Uh, and that is, he says, always have a plausible theory of success. And that sounds obvious, but you will be shocked <laughs> at how many people have no plausible theory of success. Okay. Like the, sometimes the question even just confuses them. Well, what do you mean? Like, well, what, why are we doing this? What's our theory of success? Uh, and they're like, well, we have to do this. It's like, I didn't, I didn't say we don't. I'm saying, what's our theory of success? Like, is this the only thing we need to do to succeed? Is it we need to do this and something else? Because if we need to do something else, in addition, we got to like make sure we do that. Or are we just like doing stuff with no, we don't even know what success looks like. Um, and you'd be shocked, be shocked. And how many people have no theory of success? And, We're and, just doing stuff. And when you say theory there, is that interchangeable with like definition of success? So what's your definition of success? Or is there a nuance well, there in what you're saying? The definition and then how do we get there? Okay, okay. How do we get there? Okay, so a definition of what success looks like and a bit of a plan on how you can do that in reality. Yeah, exactly. Right. God, got it. Um Really interesting. And I know, you know, conflict is definitely one of the things that is uh, that I I struggle with, I think, a little bit. It's not one of my natural, Mm. one of my natural places. You know, like some people quite like a bit of conflict. You know, it brings the, you know, they, you know, brings the best out of them. uh, And some people hide from conflict. I think I'm somewhere in the middle a little bit, but it's it's not something I ever look forward to. (laughs) Well, yeah, no, and I understand that, and often I'm I'm exactly the same place. And when you think about conflict, it, as as and when you're uncomfortable with conflict, it's because it gets coupled with the people and the relationships, right? But when you decouple it from people and relationships and ramifications about people and relationships, and you just deal with it back to that, like, hey, differences in objective, differences in data, differences in method, 
then all of a sudden it's like, oh, this is this is curious. I I I, th- I might learn something here, yeah. or they might learn something here. Yeah. Now, I wonder if we could change tack uh, a little bit because we're, we're starting to head towards the end. Can you believe it? Um, we're starting to head towards the end. But um, you mentioned it at the beginning, and this is back in the noughties. We are both getting a little bit older. I'm sure I used to have more hair when we first met. Um, we, we used to do a bit of speaking together. Nope, you didn't. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> I was. I met you after then, was it? It was in my mid twenties that the razors, the the, sh- the the buzz, the buzz cut came out. Oh dear me! Um, now we we were at some conferences together, some re- some pretty big yes. conferences. I remember being in Barcelona with you. I think maybe Florida, Seattle. You know, some big global conferences, and and we um and we used to speak together. And I think you know, without blowing my own trumpet, we did a pretty good job. You know, I quite enjoyed oh, it. <laughs> the audience, absolutely, the audience liked it. Um, now. So, so you've got a reputation as being a great presenter on deep technical subjects. Is that a skill you were born with? Is that something you've always been able to do? No, I was absolutely terrible at it. And <laughs> the only reason I, I really, like when I first gave talks, I would say, uh, hey, just to be clear, I'm a terrible speaker and I forget to breathe. So if I begin to look like I'm passing out, please ask a question. So I don't pass out. No, it's terrible. Here's what happened. Um, I was one of these, like, uh, you remember, all technology focused. And so I was one of these 10x programmers, right? Just crank out code. And I could really do a lot of really good code and a lot of it. Uh, At some point, I got a repetitive strain injury uh, that would not heal. And so I went to physical therapy, went through lots of painful physical therapy. After about six months, they say, it's not working. You just need to stop using a keyboard. I was like, uh, no that's going to be a problem. Yeah. <laughs> and so that began like, oh, what am I going to do here? But I couldn't. I mean, I just couldn't. It was, the pain was so bad. And so I thought, okay, well, I've, I need to get more into architecture, design, and influence. And so I started to do influence. I started. This is where I uh, started to take Windows NT, which was emergent, right? project and then communicated to people at DAC. Um, and so I was talking to people, exploring how to use it and take advantage of it, et cetera. And basically what the, the one advice I give to people who want to learn how to do a good talk or become a good speaker is to have one talk that you give a hundred times. Okay. So there was the, Hey, what is windows NT and what is the opportunity it provides us? And I gave that talk and it was terrible. And I gave that talk and it was terrible. And I gave that 10 talk, that talk 10 times and it was terrible. But by the 10th time I gave it, I knew what I was saying. Like the first time I'm like reading my slides, like what did I say here? <laughs> the 10th time I see the slide, I know it's there and I, and I say it, right? Now all of a sudden I could, I could give that talk. I know the material. And then I shifted my focus from the material to my skill in delivering that material. Hey, when I say this, how are people reacting? When I do it this way, if I phrase it this way, how do people react? Like, oh, I'm going to try this. And then anyway, you then your next 90 times, you're giving the talk, but what you're really doing is you're exploring your skills as a speaker. When to speed up, when dad pauses, when to repeat things, when to repeat things, <laughs> you know, and all these things. And, uh, and that skill of like listening and focusing in the audience. And again, if you, if you keep changing your talk, 
you know, this changing your talks fine, like little things as you're refining the same content. If you give different content, then you'll be always focused in on the content and not your skill as a as a presenter. So that's my my number one advice is give the same content a gazillion different times, as many times as you can, as many different audiences. Um, even if it's to an audience, you know, a, a dozen people, give that talk. It's yeah. not about the talk. It's about you and your skill as a speaker. And then, by the way, once you have that, then all of a sudden you're comfortable. Well, you never really get comfortable. I never really get comfortable. But you do, you know, you're out there and you know it's going to work. Yeah. Do you know that that is really interesting? I, I come from a bit of a musical background, so I do a lot of um, oh. music as, as one of my hobbies. And, and that really resonates with me because, you know, if I spend ages practicing uh, and I now know that I can play this, you know, this song, this riff, this lead solo, whatever it is really well, then when I get to a gig, I can, can, I can perform it and I can think about performing it, not going... Where's my, where does my finger go next? What what do I do next? At which point, you know, then I'm terrified. I've no confidence, and the performance is like that. And so, the more prep work you've done, the more practice you've done, then actually, the more freedom you have when you're under the pressure to trust yourself and to and to and to be able to go for it. And once you've learned that, once you know, you kind of know what that feels like. So you think, right, with this next song, oh, I, I think I've got to the place where I know I can trust myself now. So now I can. I can go for it. I can perform it. And, and you know, there's a lot of similarity. And, and I guess with sports, that's the other thing. If you're if you're a big sports fan um, and you play a lot of team sports where you know, you know, so-and-so is going to be making a run here, so-and-so is going to be making a pass there, and you, you can trust in that, then you can play the game and perform as opposed to worrying about whether they're going to be in the... So I think that sort of... Um, that's a brilliant insight. Yeah, I think... That, well, and I think what you said there stands true for so many things... If you've practiced it, put the work in, then you get a bit of muscle memory. Then you can really get in the zone when you're under pressure. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, the, 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 your your example of the music makes perfect sense. I'm not a musician, but you definitely just see it. You know, when people are when they're we're in the audience. I've seen I got friends in a band, and you can see the audience is one way; they're playing one way. The audience is another way; they're playing another way. Yeah, and they're responding to the audience, but it's because. They know the song, yeah. And now all of a sudden, you know, they're leading the audience somewhere, or they're responding to the audience. That makes total sense. And, and I think you see it, it often in presenters when you when you go when you think about somebody, you go, "Oh, they're so natural at that," you know. "Oh, they're mm. so natural." And then and and people, I'm sure, would think that when they're watching you, you know, having watched you know watch you live and watch your video. But the reality is that that you're not, and it's something that you've learnt, and that anybody can learn. And actually, it's taken a lot of hard work, and it's almost a bit insulting saying he's so natural because they've not seen the blood, sweat, and tears that have gone into this naturalness. Oh, I, I truly was a terrible speaker. Truly, like this is not one of those like uh, oh you know, no. Oh, brilliant, truly brilliant. Terrible. Well, Jeffrey, do you know what? We are at time. It has been absolutely wonderful to chat to you. I, I wonder, just as we sort of wrap up, any any key takeaways or any key things that you'd like to sort of finish with? Well, I would say always remember this. You have two jobs. One is to do the job before you. And the second is to do it in a way with an eye towards your career. Okay. 
uh, which is to say, hey, I got to do this task. Well, if you want, one way to say is, okay, well, I'm just going to, you use the, I need to provision a server. Well, one way is this click, 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 use the mouse, click, 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 and you get the job done. The other is to say, I got to provision the server. Maybe I should take some time and learn how to script this. And then I'll provision the server, but then the next server, I can just do it again and then again and again. And then you have a skill which is going to increase your integrated lifetime earnings. <laughs> so again, whenever you do something, you got two jobs, the job at hand and doing the job at hand in a way that enhances your career. Okay. Just making a note, making a note of that. There's so many pearls of wisdoms that have uh, pearls of wisdom that have come out. It's unbelievable. I was just sort of glancing down at my notepad from from while we've been chatting. Th- three things that have, have stuck in my mind from what you were you were saying. First thing was the imposter syndrome, which I yeah, personally found as a real surprise. And I just loved it when you said just showing up. You know, don't let it cripple you. Just show up. I you know that was like ding. That's a brilliant. The other thing I love was when we were talking about conflict and, you know, you were saying, hey, reframe things as my hypothesis is and decouple yourself from the idea because it's not your ego tied in. It's an intellectual thing we're talking about and a person and they're separate. And that's a great way to remove conflict. So that sort of stuck in my brain. And then the third thing where you were just talking about uh, becoming a natural speaker and, and actually how that is just practice. And so from somebody that wasn't a natural speaker, that was as terrible as you as you said you were, can be so successful at it, I think, is 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 really inspirational. Um, so thank you so much for sharing those. Um, now, if people uh, want to find you, where, where do you hang out in the digital land if, uh, for people to find you? Yeah, uh, so largely Twitter. So it's J Snover, J S N O V as in Victory E R. As of yesterday, I no longer have my blue check mark. Oh, so it's gone. It's gone. <laughs> it's gone. But I'm still there. You're still there. And are you gonna pay? Are you gonna pay for a blue one? I am not gonna yeah, pay for right. a blue one. Okay. You'll cut. And, and 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 Elon didn't pay for mine either. So I'm, I'm pretty insulted. <laughs> Apparently played paid for LeBron James and Stephen King, but not me. Yeah, so well, PowerShell's I not don't... that important. It's not basketball. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're going on my serious arms list there, Ben. And then I'm also in LinkedIn, but I'm not particularly uh, uh, active on LinkedIn. But it's uh, although you know what, uh, since Twitter's sort of been having some been wobbly, actually I've been posting more on LinkedIn actually. Uh, and there it's Jeffrey Snover, J E F F R E Y Snover, S N O V as in Victory E R. That's where I there. Those are where I hang out these days. Brilliant. Well, once again, Jeffrey, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, Ben. And hey, you know, I want to thank you. you. When we gave those talks together, it really was a joy. Yeah. It really was. And that's why I saw that you you were doing this podcast. I thought, boy, I should reach out. That would be great. Um, it's always fun talking to you. Yeah, and you, Jeffrey. You take care. So there we have it. Thanks for listening. Please do subscribe to the podcast and rate the show. It really helps spread the word. Check out our technical storytelling program to help build your influencing and leadership skills. 